Welcome to another episode of Nikki Jameson Art Talks, a podcast where we creatives talk about our creative lives. I'm Nikki Jameson, and today my guest is digital artist Julie Denning, also known as Hedgehog Studio from San Francisco, California. Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Nikki Jameson Art Talks. And today we have my guest, Julie Denning, AKA Hedgehog Studio from San Francisco in the USA. And Julie lives in, she's going to talk a bit, a bit more about herself, but she also, she lives in this place called Discovery Bay. So Julie is a wonderful, wonderful digital artist. If you are on Instagram, you may have seen her work under Hedgehog Studio. And I'm so thrilled that we have her this morning and she's going to talk a little bit about herself. So Julie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for, for being a guest on the Nikki Jameson Artist Talk. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started your creative journey. Well, I'm so excited to be here. It is a thrill. This is so much fun to have an opportunity to share and um, basically a little about myself. Um, I've been in the decorative arts field for probably 30 years. I started back in the 80s. Uh, very, very fascinated and interested in American folk art. So for approximately 20 years, I attended uh, national conventions, learned all the various uh, folk art uh, traditions. I learned theorem painting, wall stenciling, full finishing. Um, I taught it. Um, I did custom work in people's homes. Basically, I wore out the uh, pads on my knees, uh, uh, had a frozen shoulder, and got uh, chemical pneumonia from all the... <laughs> so, over the years, I really enjoyed doing it. But uh, what I found I liked the most was teaching. So I taught at a lot of conventions and uh, I taught at a lot of quilt stores, paint stores, that sort of stuff. And um, but times changed and uh, decorative art seems to go through cycles. And it was extremely popular in the early 1800s. Uh, if you, uh, not 1800s, 1900s. If you go back, I have a lot of antique stencils and antique uh, designs, wallpaper, all sorts of things. And it goes through cycles. And uh, from about the 80s to the 2005, it was extremely popular, but it started to uh, dwindle in the market place as a whole. You don't hear about wallpapering anymore. You don't, you do not hear about uh, wall murals being done. They still are, but you didn't have everybody um, uh, just in a, in your own primary home doing this kind of work anymore. You have more clean walls than you ever did before. 
So it sort of, you know, dwindled, the interest dwindled in that, and the market sort of fell out. Um, basically, uh, when I was in my 40s, I went back to school. By profession, I uh, was a social worker for over 30 years. So I always did this as a secondary job for myself, just for my own creative needs. And I went back to, um, I had already graduated from Berkeley, but I went back to the local community college to take Photoshop and HTML. Um, that was learning to write web pages. So back in the days before Dreamweaver and all the, uh, you know, all of that, um, so you, I learned the hypertext markup language. And uh, I learned to write web pages from the back end and uh, how to do all of that. I took Photoshop to learn to do graphics for the web, not for art, not for print, but for the web. So very different approach to learning Photoshop. So um, I started... Uh, a resource for people called stenciling.com and it was a huge success. So I had my one moment in fame um, where it was a free resource, I believe very strongly in a free internet. Um, and it was for stencilers to um, that did custom work to sign up so people could find them for retailers to put their shops in, for uh, people to share information, um, all sorts of things. And it was very successful, uh, thousands and thousands of hits, but it was not a, meant to be a money-making. It was my contribution to that community. And um, Basically, that was at the time when you had networks and channels. Times have changed a lot. <laughs> it goes through all these transitions. And I, I was approached by a, um, a large crafting network to include my site in with them with like stampers, toll painters, all these various other crafts to make this mega site which I did. I joined them. A uh, huge mistake because within three months it had died. Wow. <laughs> and as a result, I could never get my domain name back and continue on my way. What so, was your domain name, Julie? Learning the... lesson. Learning oh, lesson. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you learn these various things as you're going along in the process. So um, not to give up, I continued on and uh, came up with a, a different site and that was for making um, party supplies that you could print yourself. So I started another site. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, not giving up. No, you know? and yeah. uh, it was really successful. And ironically, what I would do is I would take pictures of flowers, pictures, and I would put them on banners. And 
favors, candy wrappers, all these different things. And it was doing really well. And then someone decided to just download all my designs and sell them on CDs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that sort of crashed that business. So. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> the, so these are all things that you learn in this, you know, process. Yes. And, yes. Uh, but I really enjoyed doing that. And um, then basically I was at a point in my career um, as a social worker that I was either going to move up or say where I was at. And I sort of pulled back on my creativity because I decided to go ahead and um, pursue supervisory, that sort of thing in my uh, job. Um, so basically, I sort of pulled back a little bit and um, I didn't produce as much. I decided to sell things on Etsy, which I did. I sold all sorts of, you know, downloadable printables for people to do and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, but I, I couldn't be as active because I was working 12 hours a day. I used to get up at four or five in the morning to work on my, um, designs and stay up till midnight. Well, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> oh, oh. That's called burning the candles at it's, both ends and exactly. then some. Exactly. So mm. I was, you know, you have to make choices. Anyway, so then basically I'm rattling on, so interrupt at any time. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, go on. Keep talking. <laughs> uh, so basically, um, I, because of my interest in the digital designing and that sort of stuff, I would get these various magazines. And actually, the first book I bought was an Adobe uh, Masterclass book. Um, and uh, it was, I mean, um, by Maggie Taylor, and that was probably 2000, I bought the book 2006, I think it came out in 2005, and I spotted it, and I, I, I looked at her work, and I said, oh my God, I love this, I am in love, I, I want to know how she did this, how is, you know, so it was the first introduction to digital art as opposed is that, sorry julie is that is that what she did did she do was she doing digital art similar to what you're doing today i know we're going to get to that uh, but no what, what no was it I, about the art that struck you so no, much it's totally different than what i do but it was how did she do this and i love her work i have several of her books i don't uh own any of her um uh her signed pieces um, but I have several of her beautiful books and that struck my interest, honestly, in what you can do with digital art. And, um, so I didn't do anything. I was still working, you know, 12 hour days, commuting hours. 
uh, it was just an interest. And um, then uh, Somerset Digital came out in like 2009. And I, I bought them at the local bookstore. I would go to Barnes and Nobles and it only came out about twice a year. And I would always pick up a copy. And I would look through these and just be in awe of these wonderful artists. And um, I would look them up on the internet and it was like, how can I learn how to do this? Um, the classes that I thought, okay, I'll go back and take some classes, but um, nobody was really teaching that. I wanted to learn that. <laughs> And people that um, uh, look, that know Somerset Digital or know Maggie Taylor are um, so many wonderful artists will know what I'm talking about. But the interest was there, just not the time. So um, I was never a scrapbooker or a digital scrapbooker. Uh, what I did for fun was I collect a lot of children's illustrations and children's books dating in the late 1800s, early 1900s, original first edition. And I would take scans of those and I would insert my grandchildren into them. <laughs> That's amazing. So I would extract them and I might have to manipulate the old antique illustration, but so they were peeking around a tree at Alice in Wonderland or, you know, something like that. And yeah. that was kind of where my interest was. And um, so it was a combination of photography and antique images. Anyway, so... That's what I did for fun, not for anything else. Um, then, actually, I, oh, a couple of years ago, I joined the, I came across the, the Photoshop artistry. Aha, uh -huh. um, now, now, uh, yes, okay. So, so is that where, is that where you're, where it started taking off from there? That's where I learned about it. And right. So it was, I came across it because there was, um, you know, Mischief Circus is a scrapbooking site, but it's a little more than that. It, it has a lot more uh, creativity in the sense of creating art, not necessarily scrapbook memories. Very different. Yes, I know it. Yeah. So um, a lot of those artists that were there, they produced artwork as well, not just the elements that they would extract. Um, so I became more and more interested in this. And somewhere in there, I ran across this Photoshop artistry class. And uh, I joined. And basically, it was an opportunity to learn how to do photo composition uh, creatively, more from an artistic approach, using your own photographs, using all sorts of elements. 
And so I basically finally got to understand how Maggie Taylor did her work, how all these wonderful digital artists did their work. It was no longer the mystery. It was no longer a mystery. And uh, Julie, um, I joined Photo Artistry, I think, well, I think around the first time it, it came out I don't know how many years ago it was and then I went on to do the to join the Awaken the Kaizen classes but I remember like you're saying I remember my utter awe because um and not to digress from your story I was a photographer I still am a photographer and I got to a stage where I found oh you know I I, I want to do something more than just take photos you know I, even though I made them really arty I was just I, I wasn't very interested in, you know, really tack sharp photos for photo photography's sake. And besides, you know, everybody can take loads of people can take photographs. I just wanted to put my own spin on something and it, my own expression. And so when I discovered photo artistry, I thought, wow, this is it. This is where I'm going to learn to do that thing that I couldn't even put into words. <laughs> So, um, so like you, I discovered photo artistry along with a lot of uh, other artists who um, I've talked to on this on on this show, and also I think there it was there I learnt about Mischief Circus, right? Uh, with uh, with um, Ipuli and there are lots of artists there. I don't even know whether I said the name uh, correctly, but uh, I that, don't that know either, was... honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love. I love her, uh, her work. It's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's very unique. And uh, what what I really appreciate, because one of uh, the things is she spends, obviously, hours extracting images. And yes. I appreciate that aspect of it because both you and I can extract images, but it's time-consuming. It's tedious. And if someone else can do it for me. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking truth there. It's seriously time consuming. I mean, I, I am in awe of anybody that does extractions to that um, perfection. To me, it's perfection. And, and, then, and, and then they're available for people to combine into other stories, right? Exactly. Nowadays, <laughs> even yes. though I can extract, it's like, oh, if it takes me too long, I'm not, I just use masks. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. And the other thing, too, it's the same thing. I appreciate uh, the um, textures people create. I can create textures. I did a lot of decorative and faux finishing, so I know how to create textures. But for me to create one sample board texture would cost me probably seven, eight dollars. I'd rather spend the dollar for the texture that someone else has done, like Cheryl Tarrant. She uh, she uses a lot of her work is they're actually painted boards. You can tell. It's Yes, okay. Those are the kind of textures I want. I don't want digital textures. I want painted textures because then you yeah. have repetitive brush strokes. Yes, yes, um, yes. When anything is done digitally, you've got repetitive um, texture, and you can see the repetition of the texture. Whereas if you're using someone's hand-painted textures, there is no repetition because each brush stroke 
is different, which makes a huge difference in regards to how it looks as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, I, I've learned something new and I love Cheryl's work. She's distressed FX, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah. I have so many, and I know you probably use her textures in your work as well because- Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes, and uh, I use, and we're going to get to how you create your work because you are one of the artists that does, I think, your work entirely on the iPad, and I can't wait to hear you talk about that. Um, but I use on my, I, I use. <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I, uh, it's a whole thing there, Julie. It's a whole thing. Don't, it is. Don't, yeah, and uh, but but just getting back to to textures, I too, I love textures. I use them a lot in my work, and I know, yeah. like you say, there are different kinds of textures and uh i particularly like um distressed fx and yes. uh, this, I, di I didn't know that she actually did them on painted board that's really interesting to well, know if you look at her textures as and also uh i like a lot of two little owls as well because she actually she hand does them it makes a difference because you can see that uh, digital textures that are made on uh, the computer do not have the same, they don't have the depth either. So uh, I think it's real important when you do textures, either make them yourself and they're worth a dollar a piece. I think people sort of are cautious because, well, gee, they, it's like $20 for 20 textures. It's worth every penny. Worth every, it's worth every penny, every penny and more. People just, and this is one of the things that people don't see the hard work that goes into, you know, even, even from conception, because the conception, the thinking, the planning, the, the, the creating them, it's like one of these things that you see the finished product and you think, oh, wonderful. And then you look and go, oh, but it's this and thinking, it's probably a lot, you know, it's probably worth a lot more, you know, when you consider all the work and the effort and the production that goes into it. It's really, you know, you can't really put a price on that. So, no. you know, I'm absolutely with you there. And I just wanted to say, actually, my last interview um, was actually with Denise mm. of Two Little Owls. So if you haven't listened to it, I hope you'll listen to it because oh, she talks. absolutely. She talks about what she does and her textures, and uh, I use her textures a lot in my in in my work as well. So we had a really, really great fun interview, which I hope you will listen to. Absolutely. She says a lot of uh, we we talk about a lot of this kind of uh, stuff as, as as well, like the artistic and the business side of it as well. So I just wanted to mention that because I'd actually uh, talked we'd actually chat a couple of weeks ago for uh, for this podcast. So. That's really cool, the connection there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love, I think yeah. uh, uh, Denise, fantastic. Denise and Cheryl uh, were definitely pioneers in this. And um, they really, I look back, I mean, this is 2019, and I think Distressed FX came out in 2012. And... Uh, I think Denise started a lot of her work around that time as well. So yes, um, yes. Uh, basically they really were pioneers in what they were doing and uh, which I think is fantastic. And absolutely. So, absolutely. And there's so many, so many wonderful, um, I know maybe they, they do some more on the uh, digital scrapbook and memory keep inside as well, because I, I love their work as well. Like Julie Mead, uh, oh, Gracie yeah. Tracy, um, Anna Aspinis, um, so many. I think we're so blessed to have these 
creative souls oh, that absolutely. we can just, you know, we can look at their work, we can use their um, creations in our work, and I just, I just think it's, I just think it's wonderful. It's like living in a, an alternate sort of universe kind of right. thing with, with, with all of this creativity that, we, that, that allows us to not have any limits on, uh, you know, what, what we create. So I'm eternally grateful, and oh, wow. I'm eternally grateful to the photo artistry classes. So okay, how did you get from photo artistry? Let's go back there. Where, how, how did you, how did you, what was your journey progressing from there? Because we, for, because from that point until what you're doing now, clearly there was there were several kind of journeys. Or, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Definitely. So tell us about that. So I spent my time uh, going through the various classes. There were other classes I took as well. I think David Cross, I believe it's David Cross, I really felt is a, an excellent Photoshop teacher as well. He does, he's focusing more not on how to do artistry, but how to, um, uh, learn Photoshop. Anyway, uh, the ins and outs, the tricks, the tips, that sort of thing. Um, in Photoshop artistry, I was able to learn how to do the things that, um, not necessarily that I would do for myself personally, that I particularly want to do, but I think you need to learn those skills. And um, I, if you look at the things I did a few years ago, I did not join Photoshop Artistry in the very beginning, like you. Uh, it was a little bit later. Um, anyway, uh, once I learned what was possible, um, then I could take off in what I was interested in and things that I wanted to do. Well, as time progressed, my desktop started to die. So, and I'm one of these people, I always want the highest end of something because back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> back in the days when I was doing all the, you know, websites and all of that, I you had the best computer, the best top of the line of everything. That's just who I am. And so the last computer I bought was the top of the line. And um, it's on its last legs. It'll crash. It can't hold. It, it can't hardly run Photoshop. So <laughs> frustrating. And don't even talk about Topaz. It probably probably will just say nope <laughs> yeah and so um i i am retired now so i i have to be a little more um frugal let's put it that way and uh i really can't warrant getting another top of the line computer right now so i decided to go to the ipad um, that I could get a top of the line. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it's really, it's really interesting because like you, um, Julie, I, I've, I've curbed my tech. I think I say this touch wood. I've curbed my tech appetite. I yeah. used to be, I still am a bit of a techie. Yes. My budget would not support that. Exactly. My laptop, when I got it a, a, a few years ago, I look, I did, 
in, I do intensive research for my computer equipment or any equipment, whether it's a phone, whether it's my mobile phone, whatever. And I did not want like an ordinary domestic, like an ordinary laptop. I needed right. top of the line. So in the end, I got I got a gaming computer. Oh, exactly. So that's what my old one is, is the gaming computer. Yeah, <laughs> has- I had it. Exactly. I had it built because I said, no, I need this. I need yep. this, 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 and this. And I looked at all the ones, you know, the, the uh, ordinary <laughs> ones that you see. And I thought, no, this is not enough. I need to run Photoshop. Yes. Right? And I have, I have a painting app. <laughs> I had, uh, and I'm thinking, no, I can't customize. I can't, you know, customize. I can't improve. I got, so I, I got, I, I did so much and I thought, well, you know, there didn't seem to be anything on the sort of what they call consumer level. Uh-huh. So I don't know how I came across it. Well, the internet is, is always your friend. And I found out that Dell made actually a, a line of gaming computers. I yes. Thought, I always had my own. I did yeah. the same as you. I went through Dell. I built it myself, decided yeah. what I want. And yes, then it's thousands and thousands of dollars. But you know what? I will say I got, I got, I got my money's worth for it because yeah. I didn't have any worries. And I only, I mentioned that because I, before that I had a, like an ordinary windows laptop, um, uh, computer. And it started, when I put Photoshop and things on it, it just was chugging along like treacle. And I thought, this is not going to work. I have to, <laughs> I have to get something that, that runs really quickly because, you know, this, this yes. has got to work. Yes. Yes. And, uh, but tell us, but tell us how. So you told us how you you went to the to the iPad. That's that's quite a that's quite a decision. Well, was it, was it a big decision for you or not? Um, actually, two things. The reason, despite everything, I never I never owned a, a Wacom tablet. Okay, with my computer, never owned one. I did everything. I'm a left-handed person, but when computers first came out. They really didn't, you couldn't convert the mouse to a left hand. Oh, yeah. You learned okay. to use the mouse with the right hand. So, yes, all my extractions, everything I did, and looking back, it's like, how did I do that? It was all that? done with the mouse. I never used a, I never had a print, uh, pressure sensitive, you know, stylus or a, Yeah, tablet. Um, So when I got the iPad, which is using a stylus, it was like, this is so fantastic. And no way now can I just, if I get a new computer, I have to have the top of the line Wacom too. Oh, yeah. I get it. It's so funny. So many parallels here, Julie. This is why it's so good to talk to artists because you never you never know how much you even have in common by just seeing your pictures on Instagram or Facebook. But now I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, oh my God, so many things in common. So I had a, I had, because uh, obviously I started off using a mouse and so on, which now, now I have a Wacom, um, I started with the Wacom art uh, tablet and the ordinary pen. And I had to train myself, train myself to not use a mouse, right? Yes. And yeah. Now, Using a mouse is like using a bar of soap. I yes. can't use a mouse to do any any of my art stuff now. <laughs> I use my stylus and my tablet, and I also have a painting app. I have I use Coral. I decided that this was the year I was going to learn Coral Painter, which I oh, had yeah. for a while, but I was so frightened off because it's such a complex program. But I thought I can do amazing things with this if I only learn how this 
program works. So exactly. And obviously, because it simulates traditional painting, it, it's an amazing program. You need uh, you can't do it, you can't do it with a mouse. You cannot paint with a mouse. So I then I was glad that I had taught myself to use the stylus and now I have an art pen which I use with my um, Intuos Pro ah. and it is just yeah it's pre it's tilt pressure pressure sensitive it tilt rotates it does all of this stuff and uh, now wow. using a mouse using a mouse is like how do I ever use a mouse to see, even think see, I, painterly <laughs> I am so jealous of you <laughs> <laughs> and I also have an iPad, but I'm going to let you talk about your iPad uh, thing because that's. You're listening to Nikki Jameson Art Talks with my guest artist Julie Denning, also known as Hedgehog Studio on Instagram. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love you to follow the podcast and share it with people you know. Let's get back to the interview. It just take off from there. What what happened after that? Um, basically, uh, and everybody is different. Uh, what basically started to happen was, uh, I became more interested in taking pictures with the iPhone and the iPad and, uh, just using those pictures and then creating through various apps, um, imagery our artistry with that um and it's sort of an all-in-one package so to speak and so it made it very very simple just to backtrack a little bit i never was a photographer i'm not a photographer i enjoy taking pictures but i usually took very traditional type pictures not from the perspective of being a photographer i took a uh, years and years ago, my husband and I, he was taking some fun photography classes at the local uh, college, and I took a class at Berkeley in photography, and we created our, he got a enlarger on, bottled enlarger from a friend, and for a few years, him, uh, both of us would uh, go and we created a dark room and we would do photography. We'd take pictures and develop them. It was just for fun. It was not anything serious, not to be photographers, purely fun. We really enjoyed it. We'd go in at eight o'clock in the morning and come out at eight o'clock at night. Time would just flip by bye just bye. like it does on um, Photoshop. You're hmm. sitting there and the whole day is gone. Tell so, me about it. Um, Anyway, so, but I'm not a photographer at all. Um, so I, one of the interesting things is I feel with the uh, iPhone and any images like that, you can get really good images, but maybe not the same quality as you could back with a 35 millimeter and the camera. Yeah, mm -hmm. you just can't. But because I'm interested in the uh, the artistic approach to what the end result is, it doesn't matter uh, it really so much. didn't matter. Um, you end up hiding. Yes, <laughs> and hiding the flaws. <laughs> yes, you end up. Um, you know the bad 
parts of the photograph, uh, you enter all sorts of other artistic elements that. <laughs> yes, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. And, and you know what? Is it, isn't that kind of freedom? I found it very yes. freeing. Yes. I find it very, very, very freeing, very liberating is the word I, I'm looking for there. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it is actually very, very fun. So um, basically, I, you know, downloaded apps, experimented with them. The, the only problem I will say, and I feel it's a huge limitation, but technology will cut catch up with what I want. That's all. That's the way I think is that eventually they're going to catch up with what my expectations are <laughs> and what I, what I would like to do. So your iPhone pictures are too small. Too many of the apps uh, compress images way too much. Too many of the apps are, are not updated frequently to compensate for larger larger image sizes so and I do not think people are aware of that enough um, and as a result their finished image may only be six by six inches and they, they may have started out with a 14 by 14 inch image but the end result, because of the apps they've used, have uh, compressed and reduced it, and the quality is just not there. I do hope apps will continue to improve and get better. So through this whole process of learning all of these various things, I pretty much stick with Procreate at this point of the game because it is a good layered program and it is a program that does not compress your images that will take file sizes uh, 7,000 7, pixels wide. Um, you and leave can, them there. Yes, it will never compress them. You go and take that image out into another app, it's going to compress it down to 4,000 pixels. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know what, Julie, you, I think you make a really good point, And I think it's worth um, saying this for people who will listen to this podcast, because I know a lot of people who use the iPad digital artists or people who are thinking of using the iPad as opposed to using stuff on a desktop or a computer. And you're right. Some people I found out about this because I got my iPad. That was my first Apple product, my first, mm -hmm. my only Apple product, actually, mm -hmm. with the Apple Pencil. And I immediately started getting um, apps and doing, thinking all these wonderful things you could do in the in, in, in these wonderful apps like iColorama, Metabrush, and so on and so forth, Snapseed, some of which I had on my phone before. And I... I personally, I also like to print. I print out a lot of my work, and I sell a lot of my a lot of my work. And I, I was seeing this as oh, another another way of creating, especially when I wasn't around my computer. And then when I was doing this stuff, doing my stuff, and uh, on it, and I, I don't know how I realized, but I think what it's reduced everything to seventy two, yeah. yeah. and 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 it's and it's compressed the the size, yeah, and. I nearly like I I nearly had a fit when I first found out because right. I didn't know how long I'd been doing stuff uh -huh. before I stumbled on it because and you can imagine I have a full fr I was using photos from my um, Sony uh, full frame camera oh, yes. so you can imagine these 64 megabyte pictures were being wow. squished to two megabytes <laughs> like what? 
the heck was that all about? And then it's something to do. And these apps are just scrunching these things and not even warning people. So I I now have a way to kind of um, counteract that, but I have to go into either another app to check it before and after, or yep. I have to go into Photoshop at the end and create put the thing into a new document to make sure I bring the resolution at the size to the to what I want it to be. Yep. But you're absolutely right. We shouldn't have to do that. We should yep. actually be able to keep it at the 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 size and the resolution that we started with, right. or bigger. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, <laughs> the one. Exactly. The one thing I will say is uh, since, and, and I'm sure the the size uh, right now, Apple's products are 12 megapixels. That's the picture. So basically to me, that's it's like 14, you know, 14 inches, basically. Wow, that's so, just a lot of the, as, as the uh, megapixels of the camera, the phone and the iPad grow, they really need to compensate the apps to manage those size cameras since the two sort of go together. I don't anticipate it's going to ever be where uh, if you have a heavy 50 megapixel camera, you can work on your iPad with it. That's not likely. You know what I mean? Some the two go hand in hand, I think a little bit, but that's just my personal opinion. But um, I have a 35 millimeter digital camera, but it's like five years old and it's only 16 megapixel. I just read where they make a hundred megapixel. Yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> so, I think I'll stay away from them now, but you you, you make a really good point, Julie, there, then that the, 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 the apps, and I don't know whether, I don't know, because if Procreate can just leave things where they are, I don't know why the apps have to compress it because, you know, right. so it, it, they just need to, um, and the app developers need to let people know about this because you discover it, you discover it by chance. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there needs to be more information about this until Apple or the apps or whoever needs to catch up, catches right. up because I'm sorry, reducing a, 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 an image to like two megabytes right. when you put in at least 12 megabytes. <laughs> It's just not, it's not acceptable. No. It's really not acceptable, whether it stays on the iPad or not, right? right? Well, so, I think, but anyway, I, <laughs> I'll I, get off my box. No, you're absolutely right. I think the difference is, is that a lot of people that are interested in it using the iPad uh, for professional purposes now rather than just entertainment purposes yeah. That there's been a big transition. So you have a lot yes. of illustrators who worked in Illustrator on their lap or desktops that want to be able to work in their iPads now. And so uh, I think um, Adobe is supposed to be coming out with Genesis at some point in 2019. I've been waiting for that. Um, so it's going to supposedly they have beta testers out there working on it right now. So I'm excited and waiting for that to come out. Is this Photoshop um, for the iPad? Is this the Photoshop for the iPad? Is that what Genesis yes, is or something yes. else? Okay. Yeah. And um, they, it's in beta testing from what I understand right now, but there is no release date for it. 
but I would assume it's probably very similar to uh, Affinity's Affinity. program. It's just uh, the user interface, I hope, will be more like Photoshop. So it'd be a simple transition to learn the program. But um, I recommend to, if you look at Procreate, Illustrators use Procreate primarily. If you go online, it's portrait painters and and um, surface and pattern design and all sorts of wonderful things. But photographers can use Procreate as well, and you do oh, yes. not see them doing it. And it's like, use it. It is yes. a wonderful layer program. Um, you can do so many workarounds in Procreate if you had previously worked on in Photoshop. So they, they have a masking element. They have all sorts of, uh, for example, I'll give you an example of a workaround. So uh, in Photoshop, you have a wonderful cloning tool. Okay, there's no cloning tool in Procreate, but there's nothing preventing you from cutting a piece of one section and pasting it and smoothing it in to clone it yourself. There, there are, you can do so many workarounds um, that uh, if you just think about it. And yeah. so, um, and then you have all the blending modes, you have all, yes. you know, and the painting, I've got so many uh, brush. The painting is like, you've actually really re-inspired me to go and and pick up my Procreate where I left off before, where I got distracted <laughs> to something else. Because it's true. It is a wonderful layer uh, program, and they're always um, improve, improving it. And they have so many amazing brushes for it. And, I, and, the brushes you know, are the best in the, best the world. And if you make them wow. yourself, you can make your own brushes. You can make your own stamps, just like in Photoshop. But one of the added things I really like about Procreate's brushes is you can create your own texture to your brush. So there's two settings on it, and one is the brush, and the second is the texture that you yes. put in the brush. So for anybody interested in texture, that is fantastic, and it is just really exciting as far as I'm concerned. And to me, it is all about the texture because that gets you the closest as possible, as far as I'm concerned, to something that is much more painterly. And that, that's my basic goal. I'm yes. hoping technology catches up to what I want. <laughs> Yes. Hurry up, technology. I, yes. I am waiting <laughs> for a brush that actually has dimension. You can create that yourself if you yeah. emboss it or, um, you know, use the pass through option, all sorts of things. You can create depth in a brush stroke. But if you have to do that with every brush stroke you make, <laughs> yeah. forget well, it. Forget it. And 
yeah. So, Julie, um, and for people listening, if you have been, if you're using Procreate or you've been interested in Procreate, you know, it, I know it's a wonderful tool. And I know, Julie, you're, you're an expert using it because I've seen your work. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And I'm also going to say just, just before we leave the subject of technology and artistic tools, which is a subject we could talk about forever, yes. I think. We, um, we, I talk- we need to talk uh, at another time. <laughs> we do. We do. We really should. We should do a podcast talking about these tools that we use. Yeah. And I, I think that'd be really interesting because otherwise I'll just take over your podcast talking about tools because honestly, that's that's a complete other other topic and I, I'm hugely, hugely interested in, in that because I'm, I'm so curious. Um, but we mentioned earlier on that uh, about Coral, Coral Painter and um, you were talking about dimension in brushes and and um, angles I mean with Coral Painter I all I will say is this it is amazing it is amazing the brushes if you like brushes if you if you like brushes and brushwork and um, creating texture and using texture there is there's actually no limit to what that tool can do I I was actually quite shocked that I didn't know I didn't know this. Yeah. And you can make brushes. Like I've done a lot of, um, a few sorts of cloud paintings that I've been trying to sort of. Uh, no, I saw that. I loved uh, your. Thank you. <laughs> yes. the cla- Yeah. Very. No, very. I was very interested because yes, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yes. And Constable is a perfect example of someone that studied clouds. And in our work, clouds make a huge difference. Yes, and I've seen them in your work as well. And I'm nowhere near Constable's thing, but I'm just using his work to practice. And what I want to say there is that you can have brushes, create brushes that emulate clouds and uh, that that blend and that do all sorts of things from texture to angle to depth. To all those things you were just you were describing, there are like brushes. A whole, I mean, I, I can't even even go into all of them now. So, so I am learning to use Coral Painter because I want to be able to paint. Digi- I want to be able to paint digitally. I'm not going to go to traditional painting because I'm not going to be lugging around, at least not at this stage. But uh, I, it was one of my goals that okay. I'm going to apply myself and I'm going to, I'm going to learn this because I'm really curious as to how I can do this. And then I, and I want, and I'm going to somehow blend it into the work that I'm already doing. Right. So, yeah. But anyway, I just, it's a slight digression. <laughs> no, I think that you're, time, you're on I, the same page as I am. Exactly, we want yeah. our images to be painterly. There's a little irony there when you think about painters that want their images to be be more realistic. realistic. (laughs) I really I really want my images to look the opposite from um, realistic, if that that makes any sense. Yes, totally. Yeah. And in learning to use painter and learning to paint, I'm learning that painting, as you you probably will talk about. Um, when we talk about your work, it's a lot more. It's a lot more about values and light and dark and shadow and composition. Right. And exactly. even when you use a photograph as a reference, as an artist, you have to think differently and look at. You can take because photos compress things onto like one plane, whereas right flat. We're trying to make yeah, we're trying to make things three dimensional as an artist. Exactly. So you gotta you gotta take off. I anyway have to take off my photographer's hat and look at it as an artist would look would look at it, which is not necessarily 
really you don't paint every single detail there you actually take out a lot more than you than you leave in so it's very very it's very fascinating to um you know and real props to um to painters that have come before us because you know I, i'm just in awe how they did what they how they did what they did and how they do what they do <laughs> what they yes. do and, uh, it's it's a really really interesting, interesting uh journey and we will have to have a podcast about painterly uh, techniques and painterly yes. impressions because your work very much tend, tends to that. So, yeah. So let's get back to you, Julie. Okay. No. <laughs> get me started I think, about I think on, we on have a lot in common. <laughs> I think we do, which is another reason I'm so glad I decided to interview you because I didn't know this when I, when I asked you. So thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. So um, you told us how you came to be, uh, at least to start with your um, – with uh, on, you started using the iPad and you 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 look for a painterly approach. Right. So, um, did you want to say so? What inspires your creativity and and uh, you use Procreate? I know that and your and your wonderful wonderful images. And you can tell us in the context as to you know what you do. Where how do you how do you start them? And what what inspires these these images? Well, I think basically. It's really my decorative arts background that inspires a lot of it. So um, what I like are, um, I wouldn't say that I like landscapes per se, but I like individual barns, buildings, um, uh, things of that nature. Um, I am very keen on uh, pastoral artists. And I think maybe that is somewhat reflected in what I do. Um, uh, so those are the types of images I'm personally drawn to. But then there's this other side of me that I would love to be able to perfect. It, in the sense of goals and features and things like that, I am such a beginner um, that I, I read somewhere once where someone wrote, in 10 years, I hope to be good. In 20, I hope to be very good. Well, I've got seven more years to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it real. Yes. So I am yeah. really just a beginner in in the sense of everything. And I I do hope, like I said, though, in this process, that technology will catch up with what I want to do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, in the meantime, Julie, I can say your images don't just look they they are they are amazing i mean your your work is recognizable let me put it that way at least to me i can look at i can look at um what your image at least on instagram and i can think oh i think this is i think this is hedgehog studio yeah and i'm usually right so you have <laughs> beginner or not or wherever you see your wherever you see yourself and i get what right. you're saying there because it's like there's still so much to learn and right you know so, still so much if we want to be masters at our at our craft so you know um, that's that's true but even in the beginning quote unquote i'm using air quotes here right. you 
you have now developed a very distinctive style, which obviously didn't happen overnight, right? Well, I think for for myself, it's part of my style is the fact of textures, and I tend to lean, lean into certain colors, those sort of things that makes that makes it look like something that I've done. Um, I also, because I love things like barns, buildings, you, anything like that. I also love the concept of juxtaposition. I, and it's not quite surreal, but it is, I do like the idea of the unexpected, of this, this, and I can't quite always get what I want. I'd really like to pursue that more, understand it more. Um, it, it's one of those things that you look at a picture um, and it just strikes you for that very first moment you look at it. You may not do it the second, the second look you take, but the first moment you take, it takes, uh, it makes you think twice. So, um, that is sort of the thing, the type of thing I'd really like to achieve. And you started achieving it. You've, you've actually started achieve. at least you started doing it because when you started talking about juxtaposition, I, I, I would say, yeah, when I look at your work, I say, I see it and I think, oh, you know, it's kind of like, there's something there's something different about this. And when you look at it in the first, in a few seconds afterwards, you think, well, it's a picture about a, with a barn and something, but right. then there may be a balloon or a bird or a, the, right. a house is slightly askew, something. There's it, a tiny little thing that grabs you there, right? Right. Just for Let's that split second. <laughs> yeah. And says, look again. <laughs> so uh, it, I, I don't know, but like I said, it, that's not necessarily something that you really have to think about it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, um, I don't know, uh, you're an extremely prolific artist. Um, you really are. And, uh, myself, I, I feel like I do a lot of images and, um, maybe 1% hit where I want it to hit. Well, I want, I want to, I want to achieve 50%. So I have a goal, but it's yeah. a ways out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's an, again, another really interesting point. So, and this is another thing where we don't, with artists, we don't see what happens behind the scenes and even right. in photography, a lot of the work that I mean, I post, I, I make myself post my work because I, it's a good practice for oh, me. Oh, yeah. I, it's a very good practice for me. And I try and separate it from posting work that I know people will like or think people will like because then I get stuck relying on what people think about it. But I post stuff whether I like it or not. But I don't, but, but some of the stuff that I uh, create, some of my work I create, I don't post all of it. Some of it I actually destroy. I will yes. try something that isn't working. Right. Oh no, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna trash it. I always start every one of my things from scratch. I don't re, I don't even reuse stuff, which is 
kind of weird. I just feel I have to start all my layered work and all of it, you know, it's got like, it may have 20, 30, 40, 50 layers of, 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 There's of stuff um, you know, textures. I'm not, I'm not posting this, but it's good practice for me to see what does work. And yes, uh, you, I, le you learn from it. I'm constantly learning. Yeah. It's, and I think, well, that's who I am as a lifelong learner. Uh, that is one of the things I really like about the whole concept of awake. And I appreciate, um, Sebastian Michaels incredibly because, uh, he has, he's constantly teaching, showing, developing new ideas, that sort of thing. And I'm a yes. lifelong learner. So I appreciate that. I will yes. say I have learned a lot about Procreate from Skillshare. I joined Skillshare and I will tell you there's, there is an excellent teacher on there. Her name is Liz Kohler. She is an illustrator, but you need to learn Procreate. And illustration is a way to easily understand all the ins and outs of it. And it, it is really the, I think you can join for two months. Uh, free. Yeah, they got a free trial thing. And, yeah, uh, but yeah, honestly, okay. they charge you $15 a month. Her classes alone are worth that. So wow. I appreciate artists. Let me other artists and I, I believe very strongly in artists supporting artists what yep. you're doing here is a perfect example of that yep, thank you yes and, yes uh, I think it is absolutely wonderful um, thank you. it is uh, I do as far as I'm concerned I uh, I know I on IG on Instagram I um, um, I curate for one of the, um, artistry flair, which, um, those women that do that, I, when I found out how much work they do every day, <laughs> I, I was so impressed and they're volunteering their time to support other artists. I think it is the most wonderful thing there is. I buy art from artists. Um, uh, there's, I get so much personal satisfaction out of that. Sometimes people say to me, why are you buying my art? And it's like, because I love your art. I love mm -hmm. your vision. They say, well, you can do it. No, no, I can't do your vision. Yeah. I do my vision. <laughs> <laughs> that is so that is so amazing, Julie. And uh, you know, as artists, we should we 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 ought to support each other. Yes. Uh, we ought to be brave enough to support each other. And I have to say, just in relation to this podcast, I mean, one of the reasons that I want to do it is that you know what, we're all there as artists, and I just think artists have stories to tell about oh, how yeah. they arrived on their creative path and how they keep going and we all have so much in common and not just visual artists this is the amazing thing oh, you know uh, our musicians our, absolutely our, our, our writers are you know our, it's just it, it's just limitless and so I'm I'm really happy I'm really happy you said this about you know the, about the podcast and that was no, really no. part of my thinking that uh, it is really worth having artists tell their story and share their story with 
people who know them and people who don't know them because people get to know more about them. So, absolutely. And, uh, oh, absolutely. They inspire me every day. And uh, it's one of those things that um, I, I even participate on patreon for artists uh, you know what i'm saying i don't donate a lot but uh, it, to me every little bit makes it possible for that artist for someone like me that had to work full-time all their life i don't want some of these young budding artists to have to do that <laughs> because, because it drains it, it you have to really you said earlier on in your talk you had to make a, a decision and yeah. you know if you're doing management and um even if you're doing a full-time job full, full stop it right. takes so much out of you because the best part of your day right. is spent doing you know earning the money to pay the bills etc cetera, etc cetera, yeah. which okay we need to do but then what is left for your creative exactly. endeavors Just, which is really the essence of yourself. Well, I, let me speak for myself. The essence of myself, yes. of, of me, and with you know, which with the, the part that really matters, right? Yeah. You gotta. It, it's really, it's real, a real juggling act. So it it's it really nice that you uh, support artists through Patreon and and so on. That's fantastic. Okay, so we're gonna move. We're gonna move on. Yep. We can talk about each of these for 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 ages. Can you share a bit about how your art? how you feel your art has impacted your life and the life of others? Well, I think it um, makes me a happier person, makes me feel good about myself. Um, I know we always go through periods of time where we go, oh, I can't do anything good. It's all blah. Um, but the reality is uh, we do it because it makes us feel good. When I taught decorative, uh, when I taught decorative arts for years, the joy I got out of it was when people said, I didn't know I could do this. I feel so good. People feel fantastic when they create. It is um, a, a, an emotional response. It is uh, good for the soul, for the mind, the heart, everything. And uh Creativity, of course, comes in all different forms. It doesn't matter to me if you love to cook, if you love to sew. Um, uh, there are so many ways a person can be creative. Um, and it just makes you feel good about yourself. And so I absolutely encourage anybody. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so pro-collage. Um, because it actually, it releases your mind if you take the time to sit down and just piece together nonsensical things or things that are have patterns or whatever. You are focused on that and you are free for those few hours that you are working on that from the everyday world. And you have you, said, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I shouldn't have interrupted you. Bad me. But you have said, you have said that so eloquently about collage that I'm, I was thinking, yeah, that's exactly what it does. That I had never even, I never even knew I could even put it into words, which is why you probably put it into words because I can't, <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> but you know, it's like, oh my gosh, she just said something there that. <laughs> 
that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. That's exactly why I love collage so much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Forget I interrupted you and please go on. Oh, no. So my feeling <laughs> is that, um, that I think, uh, we all have, uh, a creative part of us that everybody, uh, just benefits from doing something creative, no matter what it is. And, um, because we need to feel good about ourselves. And if you feel good about yourself, uh, you make other people feel good about themselves. So it's a definite chain reaction all the way. <laughs> so it, it's, it's nothing but positiveness. Um, uh, my own daughter is, she studied fine art. She actually, I'm not talented. My daughter is talented. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it's one of those things that, um, but you don't need, I just use the word talented, gifted, all those things. That's it. That has nothing to do with being creative. And, uh, it's that, I think that blocks people and where they say, I can't draw, I can't do this, I can't. Oh, yes, you can. Um, it, you're, you're putting a label on things that are good, bad, okay. Um, yes, you can do these things. But do it the way you want to do it, not necessarily how it's dictated to you. Um, and you know what? It doesn't really matter as long as you feel good about it. So that's why I love teaching decorative arts because it made people feel so good. That is going to be one of the most rewarding things there is. Is I I agree. So anyway, that's enough okay. about that. We're 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 wrapping uh, on, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, it's it's very interesting. I mean, you know, I, we always have like an outline for quite for for what we're going to ask, but you know, things surprising things sometimes come out of the outline. So, I always say that nothing is really nothing's written in stone, and I always prefer to hear what what you what you have to say around something than following a strict a strict script. But to your question, the next one, we, next question I'm going to ask you is, what do you feel are your two biggest challenges, and how do you and how do you meet them? Um, actually, uh, it it's I think some of the talent challenges are technology. <laughs> mm. and do you want to do you want to explain that? Yeah, well, technology and well, one of the things is. Um, uh, I, I, first of all, anybody that's interested in doing anything artistic, um, especially when it is dealing with technology, it's very expensive, which can really limit people. Uh, I think that's unfortunate. Um, I would really like to see some of the prices come down. They seem to be going up instead of down. I've never heard of such a thing as spending a thousand dollars on a phone. Um, uh, it, it's these sort of things. So it's becoming to a certain extent, a little too elitist for me because to mm. me, art is for the every man and, yeah. uh, you should not have to spend a fortune to be able to be creative and um 
That goes the same for hands-on creation too. Art supplies everything. It's extremely expensive. Um, but uh, so to me, that's a challenge because yes, I want a new desktop. <laughs> <laughs> and but I want to walk too. on the tablet. <laughs> That's my challenge. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. But uh, it's a goal and a challenge, both at the same time. So anyway. Yes. Um, it is, it's interesting, though, Julie. Um, and I agree. I mean, I, I, uh, I remember when I bought my Apple iPad and I thought, what? Because yep. I wanted a top of the range. I thought I needed I want storage and I have to get the Apple Pencil. Yep. And uh, my my rationale with that, because I, I maybe I've reconciled myself to the fact that technology is never going to be cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, but on the flip side, it is so freeing. It's so liberating. Um, for me, who never went through the traditional route, um, I think I had a digital camera. Slide, uh, you know, I went um, full what do you call it? Full frame um, digital fairly as, as soon as it came because it was the latest it was the latest thing and I thought, gosh, I've got to get that and so on. But um, it was a little bit of a sticker shock when I got my, uh, when I got the iPad and uh, when I got some of the programs for it. the apps themselves, I don't find are particularly expensive, but no. the actual hardware, like Procreate is, is ridiculously cheap. Yes. Oh, oh <laughs> you know? they are. They're not what it does. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's really, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a balance because in some ways um, it's freed us because you don't, I don't have to sit uh, um, uh, with watercolors or, or paint all around me and find a space and, and have physical stuff all around me. If I don't want to, I can do everything digitally, put yeah. my stuff in the cloud or put my stuff in, in on my storage. But if I want to print it, I get them printed and they go off to make somebody happy and all the rest, right. the rest of it so it's kind of like okay maybe that's probably the price i'm going to pay but to your point about creativity becoming expensive i i hope that prices fall yeah. rather than go up and then be, then have another um barrier and it's really it's a really interesting point you make because i was all for oh it, it frees us up to do something else and we don't have to go down a traditional route in order to say we're creative we can be creative with just an ipad which is used for other things uh, with right. our mobile phone and, and apps you know yep. absolutely so, uh, yeah absolutely. so i think but a very 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 good point and um you know let's hope it doesn't become like a barrier that people cannot that people can't use but i find that people find a way right yes you do <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah find a way around yeah, right. <laughs> well it, it is one of you know the old saying in regards to uh is invention is the mother of uh necessity so it is very very true i am doing the ipad now because uh i couldn't get a new desktop so uh, am I happy where I'm at right now? Yes, I am. So uh, it was a good thing. <laughs> yes. And we will just do what we can with what we have until exactly. something better comes along and then we'll all adapt and do what we need to do there. I mean, right. what we can right. do in digital art these days is just mind-blowing, I actually think. It oh. really is mind-blowing. Yeah, Absolutely. it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So technology was your first challenge. Do you have another challenge? Or is it just, is it just uh, that? Um, yes, I do have another challenge, and that is okay, what's age. That? That's age. Oh, okay. <laughs> In the sense of, I thought, 
you know, we get wiser as we get older and things don't matter matter as much. Or is it that other things start to matter? In- no, it, it's okay. uh, I, uh, some, some of this stuff that's available now, I wish it was available 20 years ago and I'd be at a okay. really different point. So okay. 20 years from now, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and things start to go. I mean, okay. you know, your eyesight, your hearing, all those mm. things start to diminish. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you still can't do it. But I used to be an A-type personality doing 20 things at once. I can't mm. do that anymore. So that slows me down and frustrates me. Right. So that I see as somewhat... um of a uh, definitely challenge. a challenge because I'm not going to, it's just a reality. Doesn't mean you stop. You just can't produce as you once did. Um, and you can't be as productive as you were. And that's also just acceptance. But, you know, for someone like me who is on the, you know, oh, over the 60 realm, um, it, it just shows that um, the technology, anything to do with that can be just as exciting to someone in their 60s as someone in their 20s. So, um, it, so I do try and keep very much abreast as to what young people are creating and interested in today. Um, I think DeviantArt is uh, a really good resource for people to see what young people are doing. They post their class projects. They post, you know, everything they're doing in digital art. And um, I think one of the things is I'm an individual that doesn't really, for making money, yes, there is a purpose to it, but I'm not trendy but i want to know what's going on i'm really looking for something that somewhat is timeless so something you look at today can you look at a hundred years from now and still still feel the same way about it and um so whereas something like designing or things that i used to do um were more trend oriented, whereas for myself, I like things that are more timeless, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And it's funny because that's what I try and infuse into my timelessness, right? That, oh, uh, yeah, yes. memories, uh, so moments. So much yeah. of what you do is iconic. A lot of your wonderful images are just will be as breathtaking today as they will be a hundred years from now. Yes. Um, yes. So I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> that it it's uh, and I I know I uh, took a picture of my husband and used it in a uh, image I created, and a lot of the comments I got were. Um, this is really iconic. And it was, yes, he, he is representing a timeless, uh, p- 
period. It could be any time. It could be 500, it, hypothetically. It could be hundreds of years ago or hundreds of years in the future. Um, and so you identify with that. Yes, that's such a. I'm really glad that you you, you said that because uh, once again you've kind of echoed, you know, thoughts are kind of swirl around in um, the back of my my head of what what I endeavour to do or endeavour to communicate because so much of our lives we just measure by time. You know, we're always thinking of you know today, tomorrow, next year, next month, next this, and then we look back and where's all the time? Where's all the time gone? But there are certain things that we can identify with that wherever we are, we can either go to that particular time or, you know, it it means something to us. It's represent it's representational, but to us for a particular reason, like you described with your husband, you know, timeless and you know with iconic things and. And they can bring up different things in different people for different reasons, which Absolutely. is the beauty of it, right? So Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That is really, really, that is really cool. Thank you for sharing that around, you know, age and time and acceptance and all and, and that. I think that's, that is a really, really good point. So, Julie, I know we've talked about um, being a prolific artist and I know you create a lot of art and we talked very briefly about your 1% of art that you, you publish. So, do you do you have any how do you balance all your creative endeavors do, is that a, a problem an issue or um it's just cool what how, how does that well, work for you um i think um my family knows who i am <laughs> and so it's like uh well that's julie um so it's not a matter of balancing it's uh there was a time it was like oh well sorry dinner's not on the table it's too bad oh, oh I get it. <laughs> okay wait till she finishes doing her particular piece <laughs> we'll go fend for yourself <laughs> yes. i'm busy <laughs> yes 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 that, All that. Right. <laughs> art comes first <laughs> At least you're honest, you're admitting it. Yeah. And, I, and it's one of those things that um, uh, uh, when I did work on the desktop a lot, my husband would jokingly say, because it's in a separate room, and uh, if anybody would call uh, to talk to me, my husband would always say, oh, I'll have to go and get her out of her cave. <laughs> It's just how art takes over when you're in the flow and you're doing and you're creating stuff, right? It's like yeah. time, time, time is just like not even it's non-existent. It's, it's non-existent. But he can relate to that because he carves and he'll be out there carving for hours and he'll come in and uh, I said, "What have you been doing?" He said, "Carve," and the whole day was gone. Do you know what I mean? When you're when you're immersed in art, time literally really does. Yes, oh, it just disappears. It goes by too fast, and um, but uh, anyway. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's how you balance. Though you just focus on the art, and the rest can sort itself out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that is uh, hilarious, but uh, yeah, <laughs> got to follow your follow your lead there. No, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you are right. Uh, being in the flow, it's an amazing it's an amazing state of mind to be when everything else kind of stands still and you're just in that. It's almost like being in an alternate world, really. Yeah. And, when, yeah. and when you come out, when you come out, it's like you're blinking and thinking, "Wow, did." Five hours really go. Where yes. did it go? Yep. You were doing stuff, you know, you were doing what you were doing, and you're just right. in. I much prefer being in that than being in what the opposite would be, which is kind of like a slump. Um, uh, you know, I, w- there was a question in one of the forums that um, I belong to about what you do when you're in a creative slump, in that, you know, you have maybe blank canvas syndrome or you don't know what to create or you can't create. And I actually responded and I said that, I, you know what, I, I try and focus on something different, even if I'm not going to publish the work. Oh, like yeah. I might try and learn a new technique or sure. mess around with brushes or see what brushes do. And just I'll just destroy everything afterwards. Right. But it gets me out of that. So I'm really in a creative slump right. these days because yeah. there's always, always something else to do. And that something else is always creative, but in a different way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's listening to a different piece of music or right. or something, then, you know what? It's yeah, yeah. So, but it, it it was it was a point there. I'd rather be in the flow than be on the other side, figuring, okay, what do I do now? Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 move on because. Uh, so, um, is there anything in particular that you do to stay motivated? Uh Actually, not anything particular. I, I'm one of these people. My issue is having too many ideas in my head. And it's always been that way. Um, that's why I've always tried so many different things. What, what often happens is I need to try something. I get an idea. I do it. Sometimes it's okay. I've done it. I liked it. It was fun, but that's it. Let's move on. And so I usually, um, am, I, there's nothing I need to do to keep motivated. I've always been highly self-motivated just as a personality, uh, that would be in work, everything. Um, so, um, that I've never had too much of an issue with. I will say most of my life I have I have only in a few times said I'm bored and um, it's sometimes once in a while it's good to be bored um, but generally I've never I'm never bored. <laughs> that's a good I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Too much going on to be bored, all right? Yeah, I'm never <laughs> never bored. So yeah. um days go by too fast. Yeah, it's right. It's like how do we pack as much as we can into the days and still like Yeah. I just want time to stand still sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. I I, but I don't, I don't like, yeah, and I don't, but I don't like to complain because you know what? It's still the same twenty-four hours. It's just that we put so much more, or so many different things into it. Yeah. You know, we just yeah. other things. Oh, I want to do that, and I. Yeah. In, in reality, I try not to. I try not to think about it too much because I think if you dwell on it too much, it becomes a bit depressing. Yeah. Because then you start focusing on what you what you're not able to do rather than what you are able to do, and I think it's more important to focus on what we are able to do exactly. and that we actually have the time and then we get to decide how we're going to use it 
right? Exactly. exactly. And, and, sometimes, and sometimes it's okay just to do nothing for yes. once in a while and just let the brain sort of just right. rest for a bit. Well, see, you know? that, that's where I think collage is very good because it lets the brain. It does. <laughs> you just throw things together or try and put things together right. and yeah. see, oh, this, this, does this work? I wonder, and I like to do, like, I wonder what this would look like doing this way. Yes. Um, and I, I, I really have a lot of fun. I know this is kind of out of left side with blend modes. When you're collaging, you're putting things together, and then you go through those blend modes, and oh. it's like, whoa. Whoa. Yes. Okay. I didn't expect that. <laughs> it, it is so true. You can have a basic idea of what blend modes are going to do, but sometimes depending on whatever the image you're blending or the various hues or tones you don't anticipate it and it's like oh my gosh that just makes it and same thing one thing i do miss on the i really loved on photoshop gradient maps because you could do so much with them and I've created a lot of gradients to use in my work. Um, there's actually an app where you can make gradients and then save them. Um, but it's not quite the same as the gradient maps in Photoshop. Photoshop, and, okay. And yeah. to me, those those really change the whole tone, the whole the whole mood. You can do so much with them, but Anyway, I digress. <laughs> it's so easy for us to do this. It's so easy. I swear we're gonna have another. We're gonna have another call. We're just gonna talk tech stuff in art. I think that <laughs> we can indulge ourselves yes. about that. Yes. Okay. All right. So, um, where can people find out more about you and your work? And and, and sorry, Julie. Before you answer that question, how did you land on the name of Hedgehog Studio? I wanted to ask you that, and I'm very remiss. How did you get that name? Um, actually, the reason was I like hedgehogs. hedgehogs. And people, people give me hedgehogs all the time. My daughter does. Um, uh, my friends, they know that I – actually, in, in uh, our state, hedgehogs are illegal you can't have them as a pet here oh no but, they're wild right they're right supposed to be wild. but but i have uh, uh all sorts of stuff so i have so many hedgehogs people give me hedgehog drawings uh hedgehog uh you know ceramic pieces and they're all wonderful and yeah. uh so that's really where that name came from Right. <laughs> I have a that's bunch of all over my desk. So Oh that's incredible. <laughs> it's really you know what's so amazing about that? I asked Denise of Two Little Owls how she got the name Two Little Owls and she yeah. collects owls in pairs. Oh does she? Yeah. Oh how said, funny. Yeah, oh, she collects owls from um, you know, bric a brac places, flea markets and uh, I don't know if she still collects them, but she used to collect them. And that's how and that's that became the name of her business. Although she said she probably wouldn't name her business that if she was choosing a name today, but I wanted to know the history behind that name. I am yeah. all 
say to the why hedgehog studios or why right. you know why to the loud so uh yeah that's that's thank you for sharing that <laughs> <laughs> okay so okay so the, the main question where can people find out more about you and your work well, actually, um, in regards to what I do now, I use uh, IG as my gallery. That's that's what I consider my gallery. I I, um, I don't really sell anything. I just create for creating. Um, so um, I that's basically it. Is there? I do have a Hedgehog Studio site, um, but what's on there primarily is um, I have a lot of paper toys, um, toy theaters, uh, a lot of old antique illustrations. So I scanned a lot of those that were in the public domain out of my own collection and made them available, and they're all free. Um, like I said, I believe in a free internet. <laughs> I, I am one of these people that, you know, um, it's one of those things that, um, I don't want to see these illustrators forgotten. A lot of the ones on my site aren't, you won't find anywhere else. And so it's to somewhat remember and keep alive uh, a lot of these uh, illustrators from years gone by. And so they're high resolution scans and a lot of them I restored. So, um, but people can download them, use them in their art. If they do collage, do whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So that, but honestly, I ran out of server space and I, uh, I haven't upgraded. So I haven't posted in a long time. I have a lot more, lot more stuff I could scan, but, um, it's, you know, then the price goes up. I, I'm not, I don't make money off of it. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there's no, there's no point. So it's basically what's there. People can have a look at that if they want, but basically you're on Instagram. Your wonderful, beautiful work is, is on Instagram. So people listening to this, you can follow Julie and your, your hedgehog studio on Instagram, right? Right. Yes. So, um, and I, I, we will post the link. I'll post the link in the show notes. So people okay. just, Say that again. Um, Julie is Hedgehog Studio on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, if you're not on Instagram, do get on Instagram. What are you What are you thinking? And if you're on Instagram, <laughs> let's get that in. If you're on Instagram, uh, follow Julie at Hedgehog Studio, and you'll just be blown away by her beautiful art. And Julie, you create all of that in Procreate now. We didn't talk a lot about the process of you putting that together, but you do that in Procreate, right? Pretty and much. Yes. Uh, most, or not? Yeah, the, pretty much um, because it's a, a great layering app. Um, I will say people do need to be aware uh, any layering app or anything like that Procreate really depends on the processor of your iPad. So um, I had a previous older iPad that a 14 by 4 in 14 inch square image, I would only get um, eight layers. I have a better processing I, uh, 
iPad now and I'll get 26 layers for the same image. So yes, yes, yes. So as the, the processors and the iPads improve, so will uh, an, a program like Procreate, you would have more layers. Yeah. And just on that, it's funny, people probably listen and think, 26? Wow, that's a lot. But I'm thinking, oh, it's nothing compared to when you have, you know, hundreds of layers when you're doing an image. So you have to think differently when you're working in Procreate. Yes, you do. Yes, you really do. And um, you, you can drop layers. I, I don't want to get too technical here, but when you're saying with your layers in Procreate, you can collapse and, and yes. merge your layers there yes. so you can create a bit more space to do your stuff, right? Is that Absolutely. You do that? Yeah. Or, what okay. you, or what you would do is uh, save that, open another one, collapse them, and continue to build. Uh, you know what I mean? There's a lot of ways, a lot of workarounds that you can do. So, um, but it's much better than jumping. I still jump through some, yeah, app tap. And you have to save each one and you've got maybe 20 images in oh your my. camera roll. That, oh my God. I have to, I have to delete things with my camera roll fairly frequently because I jump from, I, I mean, when I'm using apps like maybe iColorama, Metabrush, Snapseed, even, and even I start, I, I have a, a bit of a flow. So for toning, I'll probably go into just, and texture, I'll go into distressed effects. Right. iColorama, I'll do some more toning there. Snapseed, it's really good for doing yeah. certain other things. And yeah. Metabrush is where I do my painting right. because it completely messes up the pixels. And then I and Metabrush is actually a layered um, app as well, but it's a painting app. Right. But it's true. You you think okay, I finished that stage. You save every. You have to save separate images at yep. every stage and yep. every stage within what you're doing and every stage <laughs> in each app and so. You're right. You get about 40 different images and then you have one final thing that maybe I'm still going to take into Photoshop to do some final stuff. And then later I have to go back and delete, which is why I got 256 gig on my iPad. So, yes, yes. <laughs> so this, yes. Is, this is why when people so say, do I, but, you know, <laughs> but I, I have the cloud that's filled with thousands of images. You got to do a purge, Julie. I, 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 and it's like now I have to take hours to sit down do a purge. Like this is not time saving for me, but it's like oh, I might need this later. But you know what? I, we've got to be disciplined and cut, cut, cut. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> right. true. So we're gonna have a have to have a chat on on Procreate and tech tech it off because these are all really really interesting things, and I'm sure. View, uh, viewers, listeners will have some similar thoughts uh, on on this, which I'm which we'll have plenty to share about. All right, let's let's move let's move on. So find Hedgehog Studio Julie Janet on on Instagram, follow her there. So you've talked a bit about um, your your vision. I think we've already done this. Your vision for yourself and your, your creative life and where you feel you are at that journey. So just you feel a beginner but you're still moving along that continuum right are you right. is that what you would say or yeah just do what you're doing and uh you're still intensely curious about tech and of course tech has to hurry up and catch up with you right uh, <laughs> right we, we, we've established that that tech right. is gonna get their act together right <laughs> all right 
let's go on to um, did you want to add anything to that because otherwise I was going to move on to my the next question but I want to give you the chance to sort of did, did no. you want to say anything more no. about your journey okay I think I've summarized it there yes all right um so what is your take on social media so- personally I yes now um it depends on what um basically you know I think it's a wonderful opportunity to be introduced to some incredible artists on Instagram. Um, I, I'm always uh, a little frustrated when I find somebody somewhere else on the web, whether it's an article I read or somewhere, and I really can't locate any more of their work. It is an opportunity in, before social media, before uh, the way we're at, able to access all over the world, we really only had uh, a limited uh, amount of material and opportunity to see material uh, from other artists, whether it was through books or going to galleries. I was very fortunate. I grew up in San Francisco. I lived in the De Young Museum, the Legion of Honor. Um, the San Francisco Modern Museum of Art. I was very fortunate because I could go all the time. And when I was young, it was all free. I couldn't afford to go now <laughs> like I used to. But yes, there are wonderful galleries in San Francisco. Um, Modern Eden is a very popular gallery uh, among Instagram artists um, and uh, cutting edge art, if you want to call it that, um, in San Francisco. Um, So there are a lot of, but for those of us who aren't fortunate enough to, you know, live in a metropolitan city, the only way you're going to have access is to, is through social media today. And I think it is share your artwork, share what you're doing with the rest of the world. Um, it is a chance for uh, you will connect with other people. If if that's not your intention, it doesn't matter. Share what you're doing. Um, so many people, because um, actually when I was in college, history was what I wanted to be, was a history professor, actually. Um, uh, it, we did primary research and everything was through diaries, newspaper articles. Um, today, you have a wonderful opportunity to share about who you are uh, through your art. I mean, I think it's absolutely wonderful. And um, how lucky I am to discover all these wonderful illustrators, artists. They're breathtaking. I would never see their work ever in my lifetime had it not been for Instagram or various web pages, you know, blogs. People blog about art. Uh, So... It's only a win-win as far as I'm concerned, but don't let it predominate your life. Um, limit yourself. Uh, post just for the sake of someone enjoying your artwork. And you don't know how your artwork is going to affect someone out there in a wonderfully positive way. So 
that's my personal philosophy. That's very profound, Julie, and uh, I would agree with that a hundred percent. It's so so well put. Like, what an opportunity, and, and uh, to you know to see social to um, to let more people know about us and you're so right expressing ourselves through our art and you you have a window on the whole world and the whole world have a window on you whereas before it might just be one small nobody would know about you and god knows that we you know artists we still struggle with obscurity let's face it you know we're doing our thing and we might but at least it we we could make an effort to put our our, our work out, to share our work as you as you say so I think that is really how we, that's how I look at social media as well, just to sort of share what I'm doing and uh, post it out there. And and as you say, to discover other artists, I'm actually interviewing a couple of other artists uh, um, in in a few months ahead, and I would never have known about them um, but for Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, their work is incredible their work is really really in, in, incredible and i think their stories are even going to be even more incredible so but it's uh it's it really is an amazing opportunity so thank you for that positive uh positive tip for um using social um right so uh, the next um the, the next uh question i i have here i think you've already You've hinted at some of it, but do you have any tips for creatives who'd like to do what you're doing in their creative life, or maybe who want to become who, who want to become more creative, or maybe start using their creativity, having courage to to do it, or use maybe some of the uh, the tools that we've talked about, like Procreate, for example. Any 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 quick tips for the, them? Absolutely. The uh, the first thing I would do is definitely take a class. Um, I am really someone who believes in hands-on classes if you can. Uh, Otherwise, take a class online. Uh, There are a lot of opportunities out there. Um, One of the things that I I do like hands-on, even though um, I really wanted to go and take a class that Maggie Taylor just taught, um, she only teaches a couple times a year. I was thinking about going. Things didn't work out, so couldn't go. Because I do think if you have an opportunity to see up close, hands on, um, you really get a better feel for things. But in today's world where we have technology, you have an opportunity to take classes that you could never have dreamed of taking 10, 15 years ago. Uh, you can take a class from somebody in Italy. You can take a class from, uh, uh, you don't have to necessarily travel there. So the opportunities are immense. And honestly, I do not regret spending any of the money I have spent on any classes I have taken. My philosophy is if I learn one thing that impacts me and impacts my work, then I have spent money well. Oh, totally. Totally, totally. I'm so on that wavelength because it, it, and I just want to stop and talk about this particular point. You made such a good point there because sometimes a lot of people look at classes and they say, oh, this is, oh, this is too expensive. Uh, You know, this is that. I said, look, people put these classes together. Uh, There's a lot of effort that goes into them. Even if you don't learn 
you know, let's say there's 20 items in this thing and you go away with one or two. Right. It's not waste. It's not wasted no. because any, any investment in learning any, is an investment in yourself, I right. think. Yes. And it is, it is investment to the good. And I look at it as being an investment and not a, and not a cost. Right. So you should take, as you say, take classes and don't look at it as, oh, you know, well, I know there are free classes, but it still takes effort to put those together and a paid class is an investment in yourself and your creativity. Absolutely. And if you think about it, if you go, I mean, in the U.S., uh, college is expensive today. You take one class, it costs you $500. (laughs) Tell me about it. It's funny. I was... So, it's... You know, it's one of those things of putting value on something, just like putting value on art, anything like that. So um, uh, I do feel that is one thing I definitely recommend. And um, there are all sorts of local classes. Um, anything you want to do, take a class. That's, you know, the first step as far as I'm concerned. And then you get a hint if you want to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and then you don't invest in too many supplies and things and then do nothing with them. If you take the class, you buy limited supplies, you're actually probably going to save money, yes. And plus, it and plus, it it squares the circle, not squares the circle, it keeps that circle of creativity going because as you learn, you change, right? Exactly, And, and the people who are teaching these classes. Feel empowered because they've oh. empowered somebody, yes. and they they can reach more people, and it it really um, um it does something for them. I know you you I know you you taught before. I'm not sure that I'm I have taught before, but I'm not sure it's my forte. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I would say with this pod, it probably is. You probably would be a really good teacher. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that comes well, across. That comes across. <laughs> So oh, you're enthusiastic. So I am very enthusiastic. Yeah. Yes. So yes. those are those are powerful things. So oh, thank you, thank uh-huh. you. So so okay. So um, take a class. That's 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 the first thing. Uh, what else? Any other anything else? Uh, don't don't feel intimidated or um, I can't do it because that is the main thing that holds people back. And once they do it, they go, I can't believe I just did this. And I did it. Um, you don't know until you try. And um, it is one of those things that we are our own worst critics usually. And unfortunately that keeps people from growing and moving forward. And my my recommendation is if you're going to do something like this, it's to do it for you, not for anybody else, but for you to feel good about yourself. And I can almost guarantee personally through my own experience that you will feel better about yourself. So that's it. <laughs> we have a that's it. <laughs> Okay, no, but seriously, Julie, very, very good pointers there. Do it for yourself, and you're right. And and here's here's the thing: social is such a great uh, tool as we've talked about. But some people, unfortunately, 
get intimidated and think, oh my God, there's all this wonderful art there. I could never do that. Whereas in fact, I think these days it's more of an excuse. You've got to try and just do right. it. And right. you know, there's somebody else looking at your work thinking, oh, I could never do right. that. Right, exactly. You'll be able to encourage that person and say, look, just just, just pick up your tools and just try. And you right. try and you try and you try. You get better and better and better. Like nobody became a master. Nobody became good overnight. No. You know, everybody – and I, I interviewed um, – uh, he's a good friend of uh, a good friend of mine, and he's a pianist, and he was talking about 10,000 hours to mastery. It's not just in music. It's, yes. You've got to put in lots of hours into it, right? Oh. So don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. No, don't be intimidated. And it does take practice, practice, practice. I, I think a lot of people think, oh, that person is just uh, gifted and talented. No, they spent 20 years working at that gift and talent that you're Yeah, that's something that's probably bringing to you in a workshop and say, but never, never underestimate the amount of time it takes to do that. And, well, we have one question there, and that is, any last thoughts you'd like to share? Well, like I said earlier, I think this is a great idea. Um, uh, and uh, I really appreciate you giving me a chance to come and do a podcast. It's fun. And um, I think there are so many opportunities out there for uh, people that want to learn how to do this. Um and uh basically thank you for the opportunity to be here oh thank you judy this has been a blast this has really been a blast and i'm so glad that uh i'm so glad that i reached out to ask you because i admired your work i admired your work for so long and it's just totally fascinating and uh, i'm really glad that you agreed to come on the podcast and share your knowledge and your experience and your your journey and and your story with uh with me and with us and with all the listeners and uh, i know they're just really going to have a treat when they listen to it <laughs> i don't know. know i don't know i, I, do, I, I don't know sound like I a crazy that. person or something <laughs> i will be worried about the people that think they're not crazy quite frankly <laughs> oh god so uh but yeah thank you so much judy for letting for letting us into your into your world of uh, creation it really has been fascinating and a lot of fun and i know we went off on a few little tangents which i'm thinking one day we because i would really love to chat to you about um just our experiences on the different tools that we use for creating oh, yeah. our art because yeah. i think that would be that would be really informative uh for people so if you're up for that i will uh, definitely yeah. reach out to you in the near future and sure. we can have a chat about that oh <laughs> sounds good awesome awesome so um people this is going to uh bring us to the end of this interview i want to thank my guest julie denning aka hedgehog studio for her time this morning and for sharing with us thank you so much again julie oh thank you Thank you. And to everybody listening, this is Nikki Jameson, Art Talk. It's a regular podcast where I talk to creatives and talk about their different journey, living our creative life, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> on that note, I will say thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Nikki Jameson, Art Talks, tuning out. Take care of yourselves and bye for now. 
You've been listening to Nikki Jameson Art Talks with my guest Julie Denning, aka Hedgehog Studio. I hope you enjoyed our interview. You can find me, Nikki Jameson, at nikkijameson.com, Nikki Jameson Art, and Nikki J on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Take care and see you next time.